My name is Gianni Russo, a.k.a. Carlo, the infamous son-in-law from The Godfather. I'm now known as the Hollywood Godfather, and this is my story. Before all of the wins in my portfolio, I was a little boy diagnosed with polio. Welcome, everybody. It's time for another Hollywood Godfather podcast. We have a great guest, a major surprise. And uh, before we get into that, Pat has a couple of updates that he'd like to inform us about. Yes, uh, last episode we were speaking about uh, doing a show on uh, The Sixth Family, which is our newest book. And we invited the audience to send us questions. So I'm just going to reiterate that. Uh, we plan on doing the show sometime in March. So if you have any questions on the book, uh, if you've uh, read it, send them, we'll answer them. And those of you uh, who haven't bought it yet, we're, gonna, we're giving you pl plenty of time to buy it and read it. So we're figuring the show is going to be on sometime probably the second week in March. So get your questions in and we'll be happy to answer them. Okay, that was my bicentennial minute. You're up. There you go. Can we have a drum roll, please? This lady is a star, an iconic relative, somebody that the world, and I've had the privilege of meeting so early on and through the years, well, which we'll get into, Donna Presley, my darling, how are you? I'm great. How are you, Gianni? Well, it's a, pr a pleasure having you on the show. Well, and thank it, you. Pleasure it's to be here. I've heard so much about you. Well, it's amazing how, how you came through Dubai and Switzerland together. <laughs> <laughs> With my God, Charles Hendrick. I love it. Yes, 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 yes. He told me, I talked to him this morning. He said to be sure and give you his love. No, he's a great kid. Yeah. Hey, if I may say something, Donna, you have a radiant smile. You just woke oh, well, me up. Thank you. Well, thank you. Okay. Well, <laughs> Southern girl, Southern girl. You're not those Southern girls, are. <laughs> I heard rumors. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the thing, Donna, that I I've been thinking about since we uh, knew you were coming on, and we just spoke briefly, is that I would. I mean, you grew up with this guy. You knew him. I'm talking about Elvis, obviously, to our audience. Mm -hmm. You knew me before anybody. He was a star or anything else. And I met him early on. I met him actually with uh, Frank Sinatra. Mm -hmm. And uh, a good friend of mine uh, invited me down to uh, the Fountain Blue, 1961, to do the NBC special with Sinatra hosting, Welcome right. Elvis Back. Mm -hmm. And that was my first, I knew of him, obviously, but to beat the guy, he's such a regular guy. Yes, he, he was. Super nice guy, just down to earth and sweet and kind and such a gentleman. Great guy. Now, did you know him growing up as a, as a, as a, a cousin? You know, you had holidays with him and all that? Yes, we did. Uh, from the time I was 10 years old, I spent all my summers in Graceland. Oh, and wow. Then, yeah, yeah. And then when I was about 14, 15 years old, Elvis called me and my mom and my dad into uh, the dining room. And uh, he said, uh, Aunt Nash, Uncle Earl. We really love having Donnie, which is what he called me because he had a nickname for everybody. Uh, we really love having Donnie here. And, uh, you know, I'm on the road a lot. And it'd be I mean, so much to Dodger, our grandmother, uh, if she lived here. So, you know, just uh, we want her to move in. You can see her whenever you want. Come visit her. I'll buy her a car. I'll send her to school when she graduates from high school. I'll get her into whatever she wants to get into. And uh I'm sitting there going, yes, 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 you know, in my mind. <laughs> and uh, my mom goes, uh, no. <laughs> and uh, he said, but Aunt Nash, I, you know I'll take care of her. She said, honey, I know you take care of her. I know you love her and everything will be fine. But she's my little girl and she's going home with me. So I went home. But when I was 17, Elvis bought the Circle G Ranch. And he asked my dad to go to work for him on the Circle G. And so, you know, overseeing both properties. So we lived on the Circle G for two years until Elvis decided to sell it. And then he moved us onto the grounds of Graceland. And I lived there until I moved out on my own. And then um, my mom and dad lived there until they opened the house to the public in 1982. Wow. So at 10, I mean, that's interesting. So you met him as a star. Oh, yes. He had been a star since I was four years old. 
Oh, okay. So that's I, I thought you had some little tidbits of, of him falling off his bike or something. And, <laughs> or wetting well, his actually, pants my mom school. wrote a book about that. <laughs> <laughs> so I do, yes. Well, so I, you must have been so affected by him because I knew, I mean, I was already, he, he did me a big favor. Most people don't know that. And, really? Oh, yeah. When they, they were, Kirk Corwin's a friend of mine, and mm-hmm. we had mutual friends that, New Elvis, obviously, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm thinking I'm talking about the July of '69 mm-hmm. when they opened the Hilton Hotel, yes. and he was following Streisand in. Streisand did two weeks, and that's when they were doing two shows a night. Right. And then Elvis was coming in, mm-hmm. and nobody realized prior to everything, you know, that I met him down in you know the Fountain Blue, and he remembered me, which I was shocked. And but the the thing that I was just opened a club called Tiffany's mm-hmm. at at the Tropicana Hotel. Yes. So I said, Elvis, if I send a car for you, a bunch of our friends, some you knew, like Dr. Elias Ghanem, and they were all yeah. coming over. Right. And he was going to be there every, you know, and it was great for him because he liked going places where he had some security, and mm-hmm. and I was over till six in the morning, so you you could wander over anyone. <laughs> Anytime he wanted, we sent a car, but I pronounced to him, and it's the first time I think anybody's hearing this, and I think it's funny that I'm telling his cousin, as soon as he got there, my PBX operators got on the phone, this was the Tropicana Hotel, telling all the kids, Ace kids, you won't believe who's at Tiffany's Elvis. (laughs) The place was, we had lines outside until six in the morning trying to get in. But I, you know, we treated him like gold. We didn't exploit him in any way other than saying he was there. And we had security, the hotel security, actually, mm-hmm. that guarded him off. And he loved coming there. And, uh, awesome. you know, and I surprised him one night, which he couldn't figure out how he did it. You know, he loved those peanut butter and banana sandwiches. Yes, he did. I thought it was the, the, I went with him one night. We flew up to uh-huh. San Francisco. He wanted to go to that one diner he used to go to. Uh-huh. And that's how I met the guy and a friend of mine who, who up there arranged for me to get them all mm-hmm. down in the afternoon on a flight. And we served them that night <laughs> in the I club. Like <laughs> I didn't like them at all. I mean, I like peanut butter, but I mean, it's, you know, it's like, I don't know, it's so filling and yeah. I, don't, I don't know, but uh, he loved them. But yes, we, we served we served them one night as a special. Uh-huh. Everybody went crazy. And they were all, you know, that was before cell phones. Can imagine if it was cell phones? Everybody be in them and posting them all over the world. Right. <laughs> but uh, so you must have had some unique stories living in Graceland. Oh, always. I mean, it was uh, when Elvis was at home, it was, we called it controlled chaos because you never knew what was going to happen next, you know. He was uh, always doing something, always staying busy. And when he wanted to do something, everybody had oh, to go yeah. with him. You know, he would um, go to the fairgrounds there and, and uh, at you know, after it closed at night and run it till morning hours. Or he'd go to the theaters and everybody went with him to the theaters and uh, skating. And uh, he loved fireworks out in the backyard. And so they would uh, they would shoot fireworks at each other, Roman candles. Uh, he liked living on the edge. <laughs> uh, talking about shooting, Johnny has a great story. Oh, really? About oh, uh, <laughs> uh, they they reenacted a Western shootout in a hotel room. Tell tell that story, Johnny. Well, yeah, you know he loved. Obviously, he got that gold cup forty five when he got mustered out, and he loved watching westerns. Yes. Mm-hmm. So we're up there, up at three sweet three thousand. Which, thank God we were on the, the top floor and nobody else could die. And there was no other rooms on each side of us. <laughs> so all of a sudden we're watching this Western and he gets up, go get, gets his gun and he rolls over the couch and we're on, you know, those, it was a big U-shaped couch, like a lot of couches yeah. watching uh-huh. the TV uh-huh. and we're having a shootout with real guns, but he didn't realize I had a gun too, and a couple of my friends had guns. So the, the, we shot that place up. I mean, it was. Oh my goodness! Small, but fortunately, we were you know 
not drunk and nobody got killed, which could have happened. My goodness. <laughs> and he had so much fun laughing. You loved, you know, he was like a, a giggle, a laugh. Yes, he, he yes, absolutely. He loved a good time and it was just it it didn't have to be anything fantastic or wild, but yes, he loved having a good time. And yeah, make I mean, sure that, everybody else did too. Oh I know, I know, and it's so crazy. I'm saying it was so I, I mean I've done some outrageous things, but to have the opportunity <laughs> to say I had a shootout with Elvis was surprising. <laughs> that's that's pretty yeah, as Henry would say, that's epic. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> That's actually a chapter in, in our book, Donna. <laughs> did you, did you yeah. read our books yet? Any of our books? No, I haven't. But uh, I did. Oh. I have been listening to some of your podcasts. But I am going to get your book because I no well, text I text will send so much you. about you. Yeah, okay. Donna, Donna, I will send you the books. Perfect. Please, Great. Please, and I'll Donna. send you mine. I've got four. Right. Yeah, no, we'd love it. We'll have you back on and talk about your book. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. No, I mean it's. Uh, he was such a unique guy. And the thing that really, and I'm sure and you're growing up with him and seeing his change in weight and all of that, and how these his Memphis Mafia didn't take care of him, man. I had a, a, a real strong conversation because I knew all that got him really well. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, and that for our audience that don't know that, he was one of Elvis's doctors. And was, and was on property. His yes. office was right behind the Hilton Hotel. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I just, you know, I just felt that I, I'm around guys all the time. And if they saw me doing something wrong, and they, if they really love me, they would yeah. stop it. But they were encouraging it and getting prescriptions in their names. I know. I know. How did you feel? I mean, this has got to be a, a sensitive question to you, but. How do you feel about when that happened and you knew that was happening? Uh, well, it's uh, Elvis was Elvis and he did what he was going to do, you know, irregardless. Uh, everybody tried to, to you know, be of help to him and, and so forth. But uh, Elvis always needed a challenge, always. And uh, he, I got uh, that impression. <laughs> yeah, always needed a, yeah, always needed a challenge. And uh you know, I think there it's it's like with most stars that uh, he struggled to uh, decide who he wanted to be and who he thought he had to be. Yeah. You know, to be Elvis. He, he should have just been Elvis. Yeah. You know, he, <laughs> he shows I phenomenal as Elvis. Yes. And, I'm, yeah. you know, everybody knows the legend, the superstar. And there's not a greater star that's ever walked the gr- across the stage. But there's no. never been a finer, greater, more warm, loving and tender and genuine man. To walk the stage of life, either. So, hey, uh, Donna, Donna, would you say that he had a difficult time handling his fame? Well, I think with most people, yes. I mean, it's it's very difficult, as he once said himself, to you know, the man's one thing, the legend's something else. And yeah. uh, he he was just Elvis. He loved having a good time. He loved his family. He kept us all close. He. And the reason he kept us all close is because not only because he loved us, but because we helped keep him grounded. And uh, that's something that everybody needs. You know, you need people around you that love you and that no matter whether you're Elvis Presley or just Elvis right. and that uh, will always be there for you. And, and we'll tell you the truth. sad thing is, I'm sorry, and tell you the truth. Yeah. Yeah. I tell you the truth. And, yeah. you know, family did that. So. Mm. But, you know, there are other elements that are outside the family's uh, purview, you know, and you uh, you can't always control everything. Sure. How was your feelings towards Colonel Parker? I only met the gentleman twice. Really? Yeah. And uh, I mean, I I stated I was at Graceland, you know, and uh, I didn't go to California or Vegas or anything with him. Oh, uh, so I only met him twice. But. He was uh, very boisterous, very uh, loud, and uh, I didn't particularly care for him. Yeah. I've I met him several times. I actually gambled with him. At, oh. at the, <laughs> so I he was known for that. <laughs> yeah, he loved to gamble. But I just wanted to pick his brain, yeah. you know, because he was Colonel Parker. Yeah. And, and, and you feel, I'm sorry, go ahead, Pat. I'm sorry. Do you feel that uh, Colonel Parker was taking advantage of Elvis? Oh, without a doubt. Without yeah. a doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Pat, you so know what? the deal they had, right? I'm sorry? 
Do you know the handshake, the deal they had, Pat? It's something like 75% of his money went, um, to, went, to, 50 went to the percent of everything. How much? 50%. Five, 50. Wow. Yeah. On a yep. handshake. On a handshake. And Elvis, and everybody told him, you could get, you know, I don't want to get out of the man's hand. Look me, he made me a star. That's that's what he said. So, so this was not renegotiable. <laughs> not oh. Elvis's mind. Elvis was well, very Elvis's mind. You know, Elvis was an extremely loyal man, and to his own detriment. And unfortunately, we, I guess, all the Presleys have that that trait uh, that we just are completely loyal until it's to the point where you, there's nothing else you can do. And yeah. uh, I do believe that Elvis was getting ready ready to. Uh, dismiss the colonel and get a lot of the negative things in his life away from him. But unfortunately he died before he was able to do that. Yeah. So, and you know, who, who expected him to die at 42? No, it's amazing to me. And I mean, and so generous with those He's giving out stud bat, bat cat cars. <laughs> That's what he gave you for Christmas. He gave away <laughs> cars, money, houses, jewelry, you know, and, and, and he had that yeah. lightning. Yeah, yeah, TCB with a lightning bolt. Yeah, yeah, for the guys. That that was his big thing. Girls. TLC yeah. for the girls. Yeah, and it was. I mean, and they're solid gold. I mean, these are not. Yeah, toys. oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the real thing. <laughs> you know, it's been said that uh, you can ask uh, anybody that was around then. You know, uh, that uh, knows when when uh, what they were doing when JFK died, for example. Mm-hmm. And you'd be surprised how many people you ask, and they'll know exactly what they were doing when they got the news of Elvis's passing. I know where I was. Everybody does. Yeah. Everybody, yeah. Because it was such a, Elvis touched so many millions of lives and uh, in, in such positive and great ways. And uh, when, when you're able to do that, you know, it, then it's, uh, they hold you in your heart forever. And so when something happens like that, then it's a major catastrophe catastrophe for catastrophe i'll get it out in a minute uh for everybody uh because yeah. it's uh you know he touched him he still is 45 years after his death i know and there, and, you know and there, there are uh are, are people uh celebrities in our lives who you think and it's you know it's 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 a fantasy but you think these people are never going to die and elvis was one of them yes he was he was just permanently there I don't well, know. He's larger than life. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't know if you people heard it, but in the last few hours, Raquel Welsh passed away. Oh, really? She passed away a couple of hours ago, 82 years old. Oh, and she I was somebody that. else who you always envisioned as her 30 year old self. Mm-hmm. And she was going to be around forever. And she just died. Yeah. She died this afternoon. I didn't know I'm that. I'm sorry to hear that. She, I didn't she, know that. She married one of my friends that we talked about on television, Richie Palmer, Mulberry Street Pizza. In, in California, he married her. He was married oh, to her. Okay, yeah, long time. But he married a lot of celebrities. But Raquel, I really liked. <laughs> Raquel was something else, man. Great lady. I, I'm sorry to hear that she died. My God. Yeah. After after the uh, the, the the proverbial short illness, and I didn't tell you what it was, but uh, yeah, she passed away. Eighty two. That's scary. I'm getting yeah. so close to those ages. <laughs> It's just a number. It's just. A oh, number. I know. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's just a number till this, the number's not going any further. <laughs> well, I promised my kids I would live at least to be to be at least a hundred. There you go. <laughs> That's what I'm. I'm. I'm betting on that right now. I, I was just turned eighty in December. But, really? Uh, yeah. Wow. Well. Yeah. Well, I'm on my way. Yeah. <laughs> December twelfth, me and Sinatra we share it. So. It was oh, great. cool. Well, let, let, let's, I mean, touching on, on morbid things. Mm-hmm. What do you think of your cousin dying the way she did? And almost almost on television. Lisa Mary. On television I, I mean, uh, I was so shocked. I actually was in Austria uh, when she passed away. And I just left the stage when my manager, my best friend, called me uh, to let me know that she had passed away. I didn't know anything about it. And... Uh, I mean, it's like Elvis, you know, young and uh, full of life. I mean, I know she'd had a, a rough couple of years, you know, for the loss of her son. But, uh, I mean, she was moving forward and, and doing, you know, great things with her life. And it, to to lose her at such a young age is just awful. I mean, it was, uh, it's really left a hole in all of our hearts. And uh, it, when she passed away, I found out about it. It brings up all the 
the uh, people that you've lost in your life, like Elvis and my family, you know, that I've lost. And it just, it brings all that back too. So it makes it uh, doubly hard. I apologize for bringing it up, but I mean, no, 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 it's absolutely, it's a fact of life and it's uh, a part of, of who we are and and what we have to deal with. And uh, she also left a legacy. And that's something that, uh, that I feel like is, my job to continue is the legacy that uh, Elvis and my family and that Lisa Marie left. So I, I just, I, you just said something on very, uh, just on the sly. Mm-hmm. I was just leaving stage. You perform? Yes. Oh, can we, could you exploit that a little bit? <laughs> well, actually, uh, yeah, I travel around the world. I, uh, I sing and uh, I also tell about, uh, you know, stories about Elvis and the family and uh, tell the audiences about people, you know, I mean, about Elvis and and let them know what he was like and what our family was like. And uh, just to kind of get out there and, and touch their hearts and and bring Elvis and the family into, into their out. homes and into their hearts. Because so many people, and I travel mostly in Europe. Uh, so many oh, people Elvis were, was so big in Europe. He yeah, was big he, everywhere, but Elvis, that's one thing I found about the Europeans. Yeah. They 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 treasure stars bigger than us. We're so callous, we see so many. Yeah. But Europeans, if you're a star that big, yes. you, you'll live forever. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, I get letters and, and when I go and travel and talk to these people, uh they tell me about how he affected their life in some form or another. And, you know, how great is that to a man that's been gone 45 years and he's still touching lives. Because, he's, he's dead longer than he was alive right yeah, now. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when you can touch somebody's life like that, yeah, it just carries on forever. And what a, a great legacy. And I feel like it's a legacy that's been left to me to continue to do. Well, we're going to go for a, uh, a commercial now. But after we come back, we'd like to hear your take on the Elvis movie. Okay. Well, Johnny, take it away. We'll be right back. And remember, don't leave. We know where you live. Today's show is being sponsored by Cordelione Fine Italian Food Products. This sponsor really means a lot to me. Cordelione Fine Italian has taken the heart and soul of the Godfather films and created a line of food products that include pasta sauce, balsamic vinegar from Modena, Italy, Genco Extra Virgin Olive Oil from Sicily. They created delicious pasta sauces, marinade, tomato basil, arrabbiato, and my favorite, Clemenza's meat sauce. You will be amazed. You will think your grandmother made the sauce herself. CorleoneFineItalian.com. That's CorleoneFineItalian.com. All right, we're back. Okay, we left uh, talking about, or going to start to talk about the Elvis movie that won all kinds of acclaim, particularly the person who played Elvis. Yeah. What did you think of it, Don, or did you see it? I did see the movie. I did. Uh, Austin Butler did an absolutely amazing job. Yeah, didn't he? Yeah. Kudos to him and every award that he's won, he deserves greatly. Uh, the premise of the movie was to, uh, based on Elvis and the Colonel's relationship. And for that, that part's true. Uh, they did have this stormy kind of relationship and, and the Colonel was uh, very uh, overpowering and overbearing and and just kept Elvis working all the time and never let Elvis really do a lot of the things he wanted to do, like go to Europe and and uh, and go into serious acting and things like that. He always uh, came up with another idea for him to keep him in the States and uh, doing what he wanted him to do. But however, <laughs> and this is a big however, uh, people in the movie that were portrayed like Uncle Vernon, Elvis's dad, that was so far from who he was. Uh, it's not even it, it's not even anything close to him. Uh, Elvis, uh, Uncle Vernon was a very strong, very strong-willed, powerful man and uh, loved Elvis with all of his heart and did everything he could to make things better and easier for Elvis. Uh, but they portrayed him as being a very weak, spineless man that only cared about money. And that was completely untrue. And then there were other people that were in the movie that were portrayed as more important in Elvis's life than they actually were. So for that, I didn't like it. So that, that's, that, that's important because I, you know, there's a, someone's portraying me right now in a, a TV series. And 
we got a problem with it. But the thing is that you being so <laughs> you being so close to this, I haven't seen the movie yet, and I'm sure a lot of our audiences haven't yet. So what what so in that particular thing about your uncle, mm-hmm. they made him not the personality that we all, that you knew him as. No, not at all. I mean, completely different. I mean, it was like there's a, they're not even close to each other. Not at all. The so, uh, the accolades, like Tom Hanks. The accolades Tom Hanks is getting though is amazing. Well, we, I mean, he did, Tom Hanks did an amazing job. Austin Butler did an amazing job. Uh, you know, but it was just the way that they were that certain people were portrayed in the film that was completely, completely wrong. And so for that, I didn't like it. Yeah, yeah I wanted to comment on uh, Tom Hanks's portrayal. Either I had too many martinis when I was watching this movie, or that could speak. He was speaking with an Italian accent. Am I wrong? Well, he was speaking in some kind of accent. It was sure an Italian accent. Yeah. Well, he was trying to be Southern, but he didn't get it. Right. <laughs> it didn't work. Which yeah. is shocking because he's a... It is shocking. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's it's a guy, the best guy, dialogue coaches in the world. Yeah, he's one of our preeminent actors. And I'm saying, he's going he's gonna to break out into a, an Italian opera any second now. <laughs> That's but he was good. I mean, he's Tom Hanks. He was right? good. He was. He did a good job. He did. I mean, I don't know who else could have done him once I saw him in, 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 right. as the character. Yeah. yeah. He did. He did well, but uh, it was just the movie itself that I didn't care for. Well, uh, Johnny's having a little problem with uh, with a movie that he doesn't care for. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> oh, yeah. Hard to believe. I know. Right, Johnny. Th- <laughs> well, th- th- there's a TV series out six hours yeah called the offer uh-huh. and there's somebody playing johnny russo really oh, it's, about, it's, it's about the making of the godfather and yeah oh it's they bastardized me to death <laughs> but you know, you know I mean, do you know I the know. first thing that henrik said to me when i after i met him is have you heard of johnny russo <laughs> said, oh, he loves me. I, yeah, I know. <laughs> he worked with said, very close I, friends. I, heard, of mine. I have heard the name, I think, but I don't know really know anything about it. When, no. when he told me what you portrayed in The Godfather, then yeah, oh yes, of course I know who you are. The, the guy, I, we should share some things about him because I love the guy. I don't think I've ever met a guy who's tougher than he is. So oh, he's an amazing man and a good friend. Yeah, I mean, his history, Pat, you wouldn't believe. Who he's worked for? Well, who exactly are we talking about? My, my godchild. Oh, okay, all right. Who lives in Europe? He worked for some very close friends of mine, and he's a marksman. He's I don't know how many martial arts degrees he has, but unbelievable and the nicest guy. He you is. Would, he's you would never believe this guy. <laughs> He'll go up on a roof, a roof, and drop you at a hundred yards. It's amazing. We we all need a friend like that. Indeed, indeed. (laughs) You know, the first time I went to Dubai, he arranged it. Did he really? I swear to God. And I was (laughs) kidding. I said, I want 100,000. I ain't going. He's okay. Just like, okay. (laughs) Next thing you know, I'm on a plane. Sounds like him, yes. (laughs) Just ask him and it's done. But you know, I I know he's, he's going to listen to the show. I really, he, he lost so much when he lost his girlfriend. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. It's so yeah, tragic. It's so, yeah, it's very tragic. And it's, and he's still mourning it for two years already. I know. It's very sad. Shame. Yeah. I mean, so with all, all of the, the accolades now you must be getting, I got to go. I got to see your act. <laughs> well, well I, my manager said she'll call you. <laughs> You'll be appearing and what your schedule is. We want to know. Uh, well, right now I'm scheduled uh, to perform in Germany in May and in Italy. And then I go on a nine day uh, cruise uh, and I'll be, be performing there as well through the Mediterranean. Nice. So you got a lot of footage of Elvis in your show and all that? Uh, well, I have some photos of Elvis that uh, were taken well, that I show on the big screen. Okay. And then, of course, in uh, September I go to London, but right now we're still firming up some dates. So but those are confirmed. Thank you. And you sing his music also? Yes. Okay. That's good. It's just as a tribute, you know. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, 
I, I do tributes to so many people. I, I that's all I do before them, you know, to Sinatra yeah. and well, so many people. Even Elvis, I do an Elvis tune in my <laughs> show. Oh, I'd love to hear that. Wise men awesome. say, no, <laughs> great show. Noah, because I he impressed me so much. I was like 16, 17. Uh-huh. This was during the Kennedy election. Yes. Uh-huh. And some and some people invited me to go down there on 61, obviously. Right. And, uh, he was bigger than life. Oh yeah, always. And treated me so well. And then he couldn't understand. Wait a minute. He's saying, wait a minute. He saw this guy, that guy. <laughs> Who are you? I said, no, well, you don't want to know that. That's before the Godfather, obviously. I didn't do yeah. nothing. You know, but <laughs> he saw me with Maya Lansky. He said, like, <laughs> it was fun. It was really fun. <laughs> do you have, uh, are you married? Do you have children? Uh, I'm not married. I've been single for a number of years. Uh, I do have children. I have two sons and uh, six grandkids. Oh, God bless. That's great. Yeah. And they all live in Atlanta and where you live? Well, I live in Arkansas. Uh, Arkansas but uh, Yeah, they all live in Arkansas. They sure do. Very close to me. That's great. God bless. So, Pat, what else, pal? Uh, I don't know. It's, uh, I'm just uh, I'm just fascinated by all this. I, I couldn't imagine myself uh, being around Elvis a lot, even if he's a family member. I mean, he's Elvis. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, you know, that's the thing about it, is it, it was just Elvis to us. And he was so, so much fun and just a jokester and so loving and tender and caring. And uh, uh, I'll tell you a quick story just to tell you how protective he was. When I was uh, 19, I was engaged. Uh, stupid, I know, very young. But I was engaged to this guy. And so I took him over to Graceland to meet uh, our grandmother. And uh, Elvis was at home. And he and I were sitting out in the jungle room and uh, Elvis walked out and he walked over and he kissed me on the forehead and asked me how I was doing and said, you know, who's this? And I said, this is my fiance. And Elvis said, your fiance? Like, okay. <laughs> and I said, yes. And uh, so he said, stuck out his hand. He said, I'm Elvis Presley and you know, shook his hand and said, uh, so when are you and Donnie getting married? And uh, he was trying to be funny. But right. it didn't work too well. He said, <laughs> ran, the guy ran out. <laughs> <laughs> no, he said, uh, when she can support me into the style which I've grown accustomed. Good answer. <laughs> he made it as a joke. But I saw this muscle here twitching in Elvis's. Oh, jaw. yeah. I've seen and that. I thought, this twitch. is not going to end well. <laughs> no. I'm so hard to pull this 45 out. <laughs> yeah. He accidentally went off. <laughs> oh, I know. Believe me. But uh, anyway, he said, huh. Okay. Uh, Donnie, I'll see you later. How, how stupid said, is this guy to say that anybody's cousin? I don't care if it's Elvis or not. Right? So uh, he walks. He, he said, Donnie, I'll see you later. And I said, okay. So he walks into my grandmother's room. And uh, the next morning, I get a phone call. Come to Graceland. Okay. I knew what it was about. So I was walking slowly, believe me. And uh, I got to the Graceland and I walked in my grandmother's room and uh, Elvis didn't come downstairs because he figured that when she told me what she was going to tell me that I would probably get upset and he didn't want to see that. So uh, he, he told her, he said, you tell her, I will not allow her to marry this guy. No way, no how, I don't care what I have to do. No way is she going to marry this guy. So, yeah. So I figured he was smarter than I was, so I broke up with him. There you go. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Could you paint a picture of what this guy looked like? I'm curious. And don't, don't say he's Italian, I hope. <laughs> you know what? Somebody asked me earlier, said, uh, well, where, where is he now? And I said, I don't know. And they said, well, did Elvis have him removed? I said, no, I'm That's sure That's a polite not. way of putting it. <laughs> well, I'll tell you right now, I wouldn't put it past him. <laughs> did, he, did he expire like a library card? Or is he still, yeah. or, or is he still with us? We don't know. I, no, I, I, I have no idea. I haven't seen him since. <laughs> that is wild. I mean. And, and uh, what, what do you think of the memorial? I, I only saw it on television. They've, they've got it ready so fast. For Lisa? With Felicia yeah, Marie. Lisa. And, um, 
I don't, I don't know why they had to mention that they moved her son. I mean, news people are so crazy and rude. <laughs> I Who cares you moved the son I foot? I mean, yeah, I know. Never. I know. It's, uh, you know, what, what's the point? But, you know, I, I, I thought it was beautiful. Um, they did a great job. And uh, oh. um, it was it was lovely, you know, and a great tribute to her. So now, does does the, the family run that? Or Graceland that was released out. No, you hear all no. kinds of rumors about okay. it. The house, Graceland, and everything in it, and Elvis's personal property belonged to Lisa Marie. Elvis, okay. Elvis set it up that way. And uh, then when she passed away, uh, it was to go to her children. And so she has three daughters now. There's Riley, who's 33. She's an actress. And then she has two teenage daughters that are 14, I think. And uh, so it, it goes to them. But actually, Elvis Presley Enterprises owns every the intellectual properties and so forth. Right. And so they run it. And and that's a private entity, not with family members? No, it's not. No family members. Mm -mm. But I guess you subsidize the family with the, with the income, I'm sure, they get from it. Uh, Lisa, uh, Lisa got the income from it, and right. her and her daughters will get it. Now. Yeah, I could, you heard so many stories that nobody really knew, mm -hmm. and I hope I didn't put you on the spot. But that's uh, Alicia clar clarified that to me. The house is still is <laughs> or yours. No, that's great. No, 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 you didn't put me on the spot. It's fine. All right, you're such uh, a nice lady. We should and send us your book or tell us how to get it. I promise it. you, I will. Y'all text me your your uh, address and uh, I'll I'll send them to you. Well, well, I've got four. My, my well, compadre here does it all. No, we'll, we'll get back on about the book. Yeah, since we have you here, I mean, we have fifty thousand people listening to the show. Sell some books, Donna. What's the name of the book? <laughs> uh, well, the the latest one is one that my mother did. And uh, she was nine years old when Elvis was born and lived next door to him. So the book actually takes you from the day of Elvis's birth until after his death. And then when my mother passed away, I took the book and I recently had it republished and I added stories of my own. So now it has my stories as well as my mother's stories. And uh, it's uh, One Flower While I Live. What is it? One Flower While I Live. Who uh who's the publisher? Uh it was self-published. Okay, it's on Amazon. Yeah, uh no, well you, you you can get it at uh on my website. It's www.donna Presley Collection. The Donna Presley. The I'm sorry, the Donna Presley Collection.com. It's gotta be every she, your manager's right. Everything's gotta be right that you ain't getting that up on anyone. Exactly. <laughs> I, I just I, she's sitting here. <laughs> I just love the way you say WWW. Oh, no, That's, I mean. Hey, I, I, I come from the Lower East Side of Manhattan. I don't hear WWW too often. Well, that's why I'm trying trying to translate everything she's saying. It's like a <laughs> foreign you. language to me. Uh, very <laughs> impressive. Love that accent. No, well, it's thank great. Thank you. No, you're thank a you. very impressive woman. Just like thank you for coming on our show. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. I've enjoyed every minute. It was great to meet you both. Okay, after after we're off the air, uh, text me your mailing address, and I'll send you the two books. Perfect. Sure will. Okay. Will. Thank you so much for the show. You a pleasure. Thank well, thank no. you for having me. I've enjoyed it. It's been fun. You got to come back on. We, we got to talk about Anytime. Anytime. All right. Well, great. Thank you. And we're going to go to commercial break, and we're going to do some mailbag. We are pleased to announce the publication of a new book series from Gianni Russo and Patrick Piccarelli entitled The Sixth Family. When the alleged daughter of Marilyn Monroe asks for help, Gianni Russo becomes entangled in a web of lies and violence in the search for the late actress's diary. Soon, he is enmeshed in a mystery that involves a presidential candidate. A disgruntled Mafia Copo, a retired NYPD detective, and the past of Mafia boss Frank Costello. Russo must race against the clock to stop a hostile reorganization of the American Mafia, while trying to stay one step ahead of a faceless killer. While listening to this book, skillfully read by Gianni himself, the listener will have to determine what is true and what is fiction. Or as Gianni says before this epic story begins, 
This book is a work of fiction, except for the parts that are true. Look out for the second installment of this exciting new series coming in 2023. The Sixth Family. Book One is available now on Amazon.com. All right, we're back for the mailbag. I think it is the favorite, maybe. Yeah, that's because we don't have to rehearse anything. We don't do anything. We just sit back and read. <laughs> yeah, In other words, we're very lazy, is what he's trying to say. That is for but, sure. But we do like this because we get to uh, uh, have a back and forth with our listeners. Okay. This is from Michael. Michael says, sorry, I can't find the episode. Uh, but they did an episode of The Blacklist where the government finds out about encrypted cell phones and tries to use them in a sting. But someone tips off the criminals about it. From what I remember, it was either season seven or eight. Well, that wasn't a question, but I guess he's referring to the show we did on yeah. uh, uh, the guy who uh, made uh, encrypted cell phones and so- sold them to every terrorist organization and underworld and whatever. In fact, I believe that comes on today. I was going to say that the show isn't even up. How do you get the question? <laughs> uh, this, this guy is... This guy what, is you got uh, a crystal ball? Or are, we being, or are we being bugged again? <laughs> uh, maybe. we got to watch what we say. But anyway, how did I, that, how did, I'm sitting here saying, how did the guy get the question to show it, it, it up until Wednesday? This guy knows something we don't know. But anyway, uh, he, he's referring to an episode of The Blacklist, which I, uh, you know, I've watched that show. The, the first episode when it came on, it's gone through like seven seasons. It's been on forever. And it was so, to me, the, the premise was so ridiculous that that was the end of it. But apparently it switched gears or something. It became a very big tell. You ever watch it? You know what's so funny? We're both talking about it right now. Yeah. And that's where our Megan, her aunt works. She's his assistant. Oh, really? Okay. That's well, her job now. She gets well, a Well, now she's a former assistant because the show just went off the air. Oh, they didn't, they didn't renew? Well, no. They had the last episode. The series is over. Well, they say that every year, and then it comes no, back. No, no. This is, it's, it's over. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, I, think I think there's one or two episodes left. You know, always... Uh, try to come out on top. The show is still a hit. Oh, no, yeah. I was talking to Steve Sharippa the other day, yeah. and they're up for renewal and for the 14th season. This is... Uh, you're talking that, about Blue Bloods. Blue Bloods, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I, I guess it's the advertising revenue. That's how they do it. But I well, don't think he, that show was going to go anywhere. I watched it. I've, I've seen every episode of Blue Bloods, and one of the reasons I like it, I mean, you know, I was a cop for so many years, and every time I see a, a, a cop show, I generally turn it off, or I criticize it if I'm if I can't turn it off because it's somebody else's television. But the 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 uh, the hook in Blue Bloods is is the family dynamic. Yeah, I love if it. If I if they didn't have that, the show would have been a failure. I know I wouldn't have watched it, but there's a, it's, it's just a family di- dynamic. At the end of the show, there's always the Sunday dinner or Sunday sauces. Right. We call it, but they're Irish. Right. I don't know what they call it. They probably call it dinner. Yeah. I mean, they, uh, anyway, it's it's a great show. Steve does a great job in that show. I mean, oh my god, yeah. He's getting yeah. he's getting more screen time as the years go on. And well, his character they loved it. they loved it, the fact that they go be, go between the daughter and him. So yeah, there's a different dynamic. Yeah, no, he's very good. He's developed into a very good actor. Okay, uh, from Tommy. A fellow podcaster of Before the Lights, in which Giannotti was kind enough to be a recent guest, a resident of Las Vegas, and has seen G- and and have seen Gianni's new show. I want to say thank you for all you do. I have a suggestion to hear a show about Tom Hanley and his crazy son Gramby. If Gianni knows about them, do you know what we're talking about here, Gianni? No. Tom no. Hanley. No. Granley. No. Oh, no, Papa. His son is Gramby. G R A M B Y. Tom was a, a mob hitman. This is the father. It has been said that he's been linked over 20 murders, and that includes a, a culinary union boss, Al Bramlett. Oh, that was, that was yeah, this culinary, that was Vegas. That was huge. I didn't know who the hitman was, though. No. Well, now I mean, we know. Well, this guy was suspected of it. Uh, this this might be show-worthy. I could do a little research into it, it particularly if you're, if you're familiar with the hit. Oh, I'm, I'm definitely because what's ironic, I met, well, we should save it for the show. I met a couple of people in Chicago because the culinary union was headed out of that. But the biggest 
membership was in Nevada. Imagine all the hotels. Everybody had to be in the culinary union. And yeah. Al Bramlett was, I, my memory serves me right, Al Bramlett was found at McCarran Airport in his car, shot to death. And he, was, and he was the head. Yep. He was the head of the college. We don't want to. We, we don't want to let too much out. Yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah I'll, I'll do some research on it, Tommy. Thank you very much for the uh, for the idea. I'm definitely going to look into it because this is a this is a big deal. I mean, you kill a head of a union. Oh no, this guy was yeah, it was huge. What yeah. year was this? Well, I I met him during the, me running around trying to you know organize votes for Costello and 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 Tony Ocado and all of them. For Senator John F. Kennedy to become oh, president. So that's, that's how far back it goes. Okay, well, well, we'll see what I can find. I'm sure there's something on it. Oh, it's huge. I know it is. Okay, uh, this is from Christy. Uh, dear Gianni and Patrick, thank you for the opportunity to reach out. Uh, I found you during, uh, uh, during COVID searching Marilyn Monroe on YouTube. I'm writing a serious request to you, Gianni, uh, as I feel you are a friend uh, from what I have listened to. I've listened to you speak on, on the social platform. I grew up in Indiana, about 20 miles east of Notre Dame, South Bend, and I lived in several states now in Michigan. My sister also has a Hollywood connection and she's married to a famous person who he doesn't name, who she doesn't name. Anyway, I would like to speak to you on the phone about this. I don't want to uh, put it in a message. I also like Gianni, uh, uh, oh, she wants, she has a book, wants to write a story, wants, you know, she wants help writing a book. Uh, thank you in advance for consideration. Uh, anyway, somebody wants uh, to talk to you and we'll talk about that later. Okay. 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 Uh, Gary, Gary says, uh, Johnny, looks like you've led a pretty interesting life so far. You know, you talk about understatements. <laughs> 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 He thinks so. So far, I have okay. <laughs> but you know, so far it could get a lot more interesting. Apparently, oh yeah. Anyway, I I, I graduated uh, Newtown in '67. That's the high school I went to. I don't remember having known you. I grew up in in uh, in uh, Middle Village. Well, you don't know me because I you spent you back. Yeah, I mean, you. Oh, I was going to say I never was there. What's he talking? No, no. About? Yeah, I went to Newtown High School, and the reason he doesn't know me is because I spent. One semester there before they, well, how shall I put this? Asked me to leave. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't a very, uh, I, I was a wild child. I know, hard to believe. Uh, but uh, that's why nobody knows me. I was supposed to have graduated in 64 if I would have stayed there. But I didn't. I was a bit of a hellion. That's a word you don't hear much anymore. Anyway, there's no question, wow. no question there either. We got to come. Oh, this is a long one. From Karen. Love the podcast. I've been a listener from the beginning. Uh, were you guys aware that there was a very rare book called The Godfather Journal written by Ira Zuckerman, who uh, wrote notes on The Godfather set? You familiar with this guy? Oh, yeah. I, I know the guy, actually. Well, okay. he, he collaborated. If my memory serves me right, I have it. And it became the, the that book was like $1,500. And uh, it was all the notes on the pages that Coppola was making while he was shooting it. So this was this was commercially published or private? Yeah, commercially. Published? No, it was huge. Why is it worth fifteen hundred dollars? Because it's rare. Well, it's a, it's a big coffee table book. There's another Godfather book out too for a thousand dollars. I have people give them to me. I don't know why I want them. I I just like having them. There's a lot oh, of great photographs, yeah. But uh, they're coffee table books. Yeah. Okay. It goes on to say that this guy, uh, Ira Zuckerman, was given a grant by the American Film Institute to record what he saw. I have a, P a PDF, but did not attach it. As you have previously commented, you did not read emails with attachments. Yeah, we don't open attachments. I'm uh, happy to send it to you if you would like to read it. Well, uh, Karen, he already, Johnny already has the book. But uh, yeah. But she goes on to say, anyway, Johnny, uh, Johnny's in the book and it confirms that he indeed suffered a rib injury as well as a chipped elbow during the fight scene with James Kahn. Unfortunately, the student did not record the scene with Talia uh, Shire that has caused uh, such a recent upset. There uh, are a lot of interesting details beyond that. Regards, oh, wow. he's, he's talking about the offer. 
she must be talking. Yes, yeah, this is a woman. She she must be uh, be uh, talking about the offer. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway, she says, P.S. Please consider doing a show about the mafia involvement in Cuba, particularly Frank Estelle Sinatra, and of course Johnny's first uh, hand experiences. Uh, well, we mentioned Cuba in the past. I don't know. Oh, if, God, no, no, many, no. many, many times. So if you're just listening to the show from the, from the beginning, you know, we didn't, we never devoted a show to Cuba, but we've mentioned Cuba enough times to, I think, to make up several shows. You can, yeah, you can cut it together. Yeah, yeah. 90 <laughs> minute movie, I think. Yeah, at least, at least. All right. Uh, hi, Gianni. This is from Courtney. I was wondering if you spent any time with uh, Louis Prima and also well, why didn't he become part of the Rat Pack? It's a good question. Well, I know why all of that. Hello. Well, he was well, very, he was bigger than them before they got together. Louis Prima and Keely Smith and the Witnesses, he yeah. was huge. Sam, Sam Butera and the Witnesses. So it was the guy on the sax. Yep. Yep. And, yep. I mean, I, I saw him in Vegas twice. And did he do any? Any uh, shows except in a lounge? No, they, they, their deal at the Sands Hotel, they were locked into that deal. Okay. They headlined it other places, but in Vegas, and everybody used to go there. The sun would come up. They'd still be on stage. This guy did eight shows a night. I know. I and mean. He, I, he didn't know not to do them. And I, how about I know Roly Diorio, who was the bass player? I know everybody by name in that group. I was so impressed with Louis Prima. I still have a lot of his records. Oh, now, those of you who don't know who we're, who we're talking about, go on uh, YouTube. There are videos of him alone, him with Sam Butera, him with uh, Kaylee Smith. Kaylee Smith played the straight person in it. She had no expression, right. no no uh, uh, emotions. And it was part of the act. And, yeah. uh, and she was like his foil. Uh, I tell you, a great, great show. You can sit there. I think the lounge show was about an hour. And after the show, I said, this guy is going to have a stroke. No, I mean, and jump around. I mean, there were. Oh, crazy. man. And you know what's interesting? His son now, Louis Prima Jr., is on the road doing doing his father's act. How is he? He can't duplicate what his dad did, did he? Could he? He's, well, he's, I don't, I've never seen it, but he's very successful. But you know, I find it interesting because. Who's alive that remembers his father that would want to go to a club and see him? I mean, he was True. so unique. Yeah, but he died in the 70s. Uh, yeah. Louis Prince died oh, yeah, I know that, yeah. And that was rather sudden, too. Uh, he just, one day, wasn't there anymore. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, we have time for uh, one more. Okay, uh, this is from James, from, from me. Patrick, I read the uh, former NYPD chief William Brad, well, he was in the chief. NYP doesn't have chiefs. They have commissioners that had the department. A chief, for those of you who care, and if you don't, I'm going to tell you anyway. A chief is somebody who stays in uniform and runs a police department. A police commissioner is a civilian, not in uniform. I didn't know that either. Yeah, this is, in fact, I know a lot of subject, them. But I'm going to get up to subject anyway. When Blue Bloods came on the air, every now and then, Tom Selleck, who, who uh, plays the commissioner, would be seen in uniform. And this was annoying me. So I wrote them a letter and I told them what I just told you. Police commissioners do not wear to civilians. They don't wear uniforms. But I thought when they went to um, funerals and stuff like that, they got dressed in arms. No, you know? Well, you know, you can wear a uniform anytime, any place you want, as long as you're not doing with uh, in, intent to defraud or, or whatever. But I've never seen a police commissioner, even the ones who came up through the ranks, like uh, uh, Kelly. Kelly came up through the ranks. He was my sergeant at 2-3 Precinct in, in, in uh, East Harlem. Uh, how many funerals did this guy go to? He always go in civilian clothes. Nobody yeah. was. You know. But anyway, I wrote, I, 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 I sent an email uh, to the to the show, and it took a while, but they, they answered back. And they said, oh, really? What yeah, they, you know, they really weren't aware of it. And a couple of shows, you know, I don't know how many shows they have, you know, they have in the can. But after like a month or two, he would never be in uniform anymore. I was wondering if I had anything to do with that. (laughs) Well, Uh, it sounds like it. (laughs) I don't know. Anyway, uh, Bill Bratton's book uh, called uh, Turnaround, How America's Top Cop Reversed the Crime Epidemic, uh, which Bill Bratton did, by the way. He wasn't uh, yanking anybody's chain. He he turned New York City around. Anyway, which I enjoyed and found informing. Uh, so I bought Bernard Carrick's memoir. There's another guy 
uh, that was the police commissioner, for my library, but have not had a chance to read it yet because I, uh, I thought he continued the same policies. But I heard you have strong opinions against Carrick. And can you elaborate on that? Well, I can't speak to his job as a police commissioner, but I'll tell you how he got the job. He was Rudy Giuliani's chauffeur. That's it. And he I, made I, police I just let him know that he was not a chauffeur. He was in uniform being the chauffeur. No, no. He was a chauffeur. A he was a civil? Clothes, he drove him around. Civilian guy? Yeah. Before he was commissioner, he was just a civilian chauffeur. That's all he was. And he went he into had, the police department and then all of a sudden became He wasn't in the police department at all. He was a correction officer. And, <laughs> and he, how did he get this job? Because he was Giuliani's chauffeur. Giuliani liked him. But I can't see whether he did a good job or a bad job. I was off the job by then, so I, I can't uh, say anything one way or the other. But what he did was, and this was a high insult to uh, every cop in the police department, after 9-11, the city designated an apartment, and there's a, there's a, a, a high-rise housing around there, <clears throat> not project, but, you know, nice apartment buildings that they that they designated for people who were working on the pile after the uh, the planes hit the towers, that they would go there, they could shower and do what they wanted to do. Carrick brings his mistress to those apartments and put her in one of the apartments. Uh, I, I I don't want to mention her name. and We don't have to go through that, but he yeah, was taking a we test. We don't need any negative things. You, got, you know, you, <clears throat> there's certain things you don't do. And I mean, at, at, at a time when our city was hurting, yeah. he, he put some bimbo uh, in, 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 in his apartment and got caught at doing it. The wind up with B Bernie Carrick was he had some work done on his house. Oh, I remember this guy now. Shot yeah. guy. Yeah, he, he was just got caught taking like payola. He had no, people no, working on his no, house. No, no. He got caught using a mob connected construction company who did a renovation on his house. But nothing. Well, for cost. Which, oh. which should have cost a lot more they gave him a break, and he went to jail for four years. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I'm not a big fan. Did he come out and try to run for something also? You know, here's, here's, here was the mistake. Uh, uh, Giuliani proposed him for the first head of Homeland Security. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, I remember. And George Bush says, well, you know, Giuliani, America's mayor, I'm going to listen to this. Well, they vet people who go for these jobs. <laughs> you know, and and this when when all the scandals came out when they started looking into him, and you know Bush said we can't have this guy. He's uh, you know, you I something that. that wasn't too long ago. 10, well, it was, it was after uh, it was after the uh, the attack, so twenty years ago. But uh, uh, I don't think uh, President Bush was too fond of uh, of of Giuliani after he he proposed Carrot. You know, Giuliani knows the ropes. You're going to go for a a cabinet position job. Somebody's going to open up a phone book and look you up. I mean, come on, oh. you know. So, anyway, because he said that he was interested in, in the job, this uh, uh, working with this uh, mob-associated construction company—that's the reason he went to jail. Because his ego told him that he was going to take that job and he was going to be the first head of Homeland Security, and he wound up being a prisoner with a long number instead. Wow. So that's a good way to end the show. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Uh, but he, but he, uh, he, yeah. That's all, folks. <laughs> you asked the question, uh, James. You got you got an answer from me. You got the answer. All right. Well, once again, great show. Yeah, and we got to thank Donna Presley. It's a great guest to have. Very American nice. History. Very, she, very she shared her, her family with us. It's great. Yeah, yeah. Those of you. Uh, who subscribe to our uh, YouTube channel, you will see this with, uh, with Donna on. She's got a radiant smile. She's a very, very nice person. Uh, you heard her, and I, you know, check her out when we, when we put it up online. Also, if you haven't uh, read uh, The Sixth Family yet, uh, pick it up, because when I was show devoted to the, to, the, uh, to the book, it's, and people say, well, it's a book. I mean, well, people are going to ask. Well, those of you who've read it know what you're going to ask, because it's a, it's, I, Gianni and I broke new ground writing this book. It's a, this is a, you know, taking a real person and putting him into a fictional situation just isn't done as a protagonist. Which is and a brilliant job. You've well, done. thank you very much. Uh, I'm reading. Anyway, uh, get your questions in. We'll be having a show on that in March. So.
Uh, you have a good night, Gianni. You too, my friend. And that was that. And I'll be back. Thank you for tuning in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. You can contact Gianni Russo or Patrick Picciarelli with your questions and comments through the contact section of our website, hollywoodgodfatherpodcast.com which is where you can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter. You can also call and leave us a message at 646-776-3038. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Hollywood Godfather and on Facebook, as well as leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. Most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob in Hollywood as well as answers to your messages. My kids still can't believe I sat with a saint. My life's like scenes out of a movie. I'm the Hollywood Godfather, truly. I got stories with them all. You know, celebrities, world leaders, icons. Who knows what's next for me? I'll never get too old to have a little fun. Come on, I'm Gianni Russo. A genuine one of a kind. What a ride it's been, this life of mine. And I ain't done yet. I'll be back until next time. And that was that.